Welcome to episode eight of the Variable Podcast. This is your host, John Bragel, and this week we have the opportunity to hear from cinematographer and cinematography salon founder, David Kruda, on the topic of surviving slow seasons of work. First and foremost, I want to give a big shout out to David for stepping into this topic because even acknowledging slow periods of work is not something that most filmmakers willingly choose to do in a public forum. So if you listen to this episode and gain anything from it, give David a shout out on Instagram. His handle is at dkruta, D-K-R-U-T-A. And I hate to date this episode, but I do think it's important to note that we recorded it on April 7th, 2023, right at a point where work seemed extremely slow for a lot of people. I know that was the case in the variable community, which there's almost 500 members there. That was the general consensus, as well as Cinematography Salon, which has an upwards of 4,000 members and David's conversations and awareness as well. Again, the consensus was that work has just been very slow and it's now the end of april 2023 at the recording time of this podcast and it still seems slower than normal um so that's just you know take it or leave it but that's that's our consensus in our little world and i guess regardless of the challenges of this specific slow season uh, slow seasons are a constant for the vast majority of us in this industry So that is really what's at the heart of David and I's discussion on this episode. With that said, if you want to jump straight into the topic of surviving slow seasons of work, skip to around eight minutes or so. If you want to learn a little bit about David, his community cinematography salon, as well as a funny story about how David and I initially connected, I'll kick it off here in just a few seconds. Enjoy. Before we dive into the topic, Figured it would be fun to share how David and I first met because we go back to, what was 2010? Something around there, yeah. And you were DITing and ACing and doing all sorts of stuff in Boston, right? Yeah, yeah, anything I could get my hands on. Yeah, and then we, uh, myself and a friend of mine, were shooting this, well, attempting to shoot this Bollywood feature <laughs> in Dubai. And uh, David was one of the people that, we brought over to Dubai and then we got there and then uh, the shoot never really happened. (laughs) (laughs) So we all hung out. (laughs) You can explain. It's pretty funny. Well, we did what? We did like two or three days of work and just this like very informal way of like, okay, I guess we'll pick you guys up at like eight and drive you somewhere and then we'll shoot some stuff. And we'd all like pile into a van and, and we get there and there, I remember there was no water on set the first day and it's just like middle of in Dubai desert, hundred something degrees. Um, and then, yeah, like day four we got up and just like all of production was not there. And we were like frantically calling them like, Hey, where are you guys? And it took what, like three or four days for them to get us an answer. And we were just like chilling in the hotel rooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, Khalid, the other DP and I were stuck in dubai for three weeks with our passport stuck at the indian consulate and then we managed to go to thailand for like a week of shooting and then the production went over budget and half the crew got deathly ill and that was that was the origin story for how david and i met so (laughs) it's good good that we can be here and laugh about it now yeah i'm still alive after that somehow good lessons there (laughs) yeah (laughs) All right. So, um, 
I guess, let's see here, where should we dive in? I guess first and foremost, so um, for those of you that don't know David, uh, David is a cinematographer based in New York City, and he also runs and founded Cinematography Salon, which for me, as I'm getting back into cinematography, has been an incredible resource. Um, it's free to sign up for too. And uh, I think there's what, like 4,000 members at this point? Uh, yeah, it's like, I think it's just under 3,500 on the Facebook group. And then we have a non-Facebook version that's a, a just over 1,000 members. Um, it's on Mighty Network, so y'all are familiar with it. Got it, got it. And um, yeah, I'll paste the link in the chat later on or in the, in the community to follow up to. But um, the thing that I found is so amazing about it is I remember, I mean, even before I was a member in the group, if I had a question about something related to cinematography, just like a random lighting setup or a technical thing that has given me a lot of anxiety because I have a shoot coming up in a few days, you know, I'd have to panic and call, you know, the couple of generous DPs that I had in my phone, you know, and see if they knew the answer. And a lot of times they'd be busy on set. So I would not know what the heck I was doing. But I, for the first time on a shoot a few weeks ago, I posted a question in the community. And I think within like an hour, 20 people responded with just like all these different ideas and ways to do the thing that I was trying to do. And yeah, it just gave me a lot of confidence going to the shoot. And now it's like, I'm getting back into cinematography. And I'm like, I feel like I have this like, virtual mentorship community that is just so generous. So again, that's cinematography salon. That's David's David's brainchild there. So yeah, it's, it it's really cool. Actually, it's funny because I was one of those DPs you called years ago and we <laughs> we talked about it the other day where you're trying to get like a slash across the mm -hmm. across like a kid's face in a in a, you know, elementary school setting or something like that. And I remember saying, like, why don't you just put the flag on the inside of the room to give it the hard cut? And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes that makes sense. And I bet today it would be like you post that and you have 50 different ways of doing it from all sorts of people. It's crazy. I even saw uh, the other day someone posted in this guy about shooting in a sauna and this guy like this other DP literally made a lighting grid and posted it back yeah. in the back in the group. I was like, "Who? this is unreal. So <laughs> why don't you why don't you briefly just tell us a little bit about like the origins and your inspiration to start that community? Because I think from like a mentorship perspective, it's really inspiring. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'd say it's like, it was originally a bit self-serving. Um, I used to be a DIT and my film school was essentially going on set and learning from all the different DPs that I got to work with. And when I went full time as a DP, I lost that, um, that education and, you know, us DPs don't really visit each other on set. We don't learn from each other as much as we could. And, you know, I'm sitting there stuck reading like American Cinematographer magazine or like reading CML. And most of the stuff was completely irrelevant to me because, you know, I was more or less starting out and they're in there like complaining that they, you know, oh, we've only got like 50, 20 Ks. I'm like, OK, well, <laughs> that's not a problem that I'm going to come across. Um, so I just started a little group. I think we invited like five or six people, just other DPs that I knew. And it was just a way to, you know, privately talk about things that we wouldn't want to put out there. Like we wouldn't want to ask, oh, how do we light this thing publicly when you've been hired for the job? And maybe like your, you know, your um, uh, employer would see that, you know, <laughs> that would not generate confidence. And also, if I, you know, with uh, with other things like 
um, how do you set your rate? Like that sort of stuff, you know, things that, you know, producers probably shouldn't be privy to, mm -hmm. um, at least in a public forum. So that's where it started. And, and it just kind of like grew on its own. Um, and I checked in a few years later, kind of having gone away from it and it had blown up to like 500 people. So after that started making a concerted effort and really just thinking about the community. And honestly, the community gives back so much that it's, you know, it's amazing to see this, um, this thing come to life. So uh, why don't we jump into the topic of the hour, which is slower than usual seasons of work. I guess that's how I'll put it. And I'd say that's, again, for people that just hopped on, that's sort of the consensus at this moment from all the conversations I've had, David's had, um, and just, you know, seeing both of our communities as well and hearing from them that uh, it definitely is slower than normal right now. Um, but I'm curious for you, David, like, why don't you explain to us just like the experience your experience with slow seasons throughout your career up into this point and like sort of how you've navigated them and maybe how that differs from what you're experiencing now in this slower than usual season yeah so i i would say you know with slow seasons for me i'd say i hit like four major ones that i can think of right and so when i was first starting out with that was like right in the middle of the great recession and it wasn't too, too bad because I was on unemployment. I had gotten laid off from the one full-time job I'd ever held. And, uh, you know, it, it created an opportunity to learn this craft. So, you know, I was hearing from people that were more experienced in the industry that it was really slow, but it didn't super affect me because I was basically unemployed anyway. Um, then I want to say, I think like 2017, I hit a period of like three or four months for some reason with no work whatsoever. And I really, you know, I don't think I had learned enough about, you know, um, disaster planning, really like having a, a rainy day fund or anything. And that really kicked my ass there. Hmm. So I don't know why that happened, but I was really considering leaving the industry. I was thinking of going like, you know, let me see if I can get back into web design or app design or UI stuff or whatever. And, um, you know, I made a decision at one point to just stick it through. And I really, really, like pounded the pavement, you know, changed agents, um, reached out to everybody I knew. And then I think later that year, things just started picking up again and, and it was great um, until COVID hit. So COVID would be the third slowdown. And at this point I had learned enough about, you know, making sure I'd have a little bit of a buffer. Mm -hmm. And then that, and I'm sure a lot of people here were on unemployment and pandemic assistance and all that stuff. So, you know, it was, I, I was a little bit more prepared. I wasn't like financially freaking out, which, which was nice. Um, mm -hmm. but it was a great reminder of like, okay, I've got this money sitting in a, you know, in a savings account while we're sitting in the middle of the biggest bull market in American history and it's not appreciating or whatever, but now, you know, everybody's, you know, portfolios or whatever just tanked. And here I am able to like, know that I'm going to be fine for at least a few months, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everything at the beginning of that, they were just saying, Oh, like stay home for two weeks. Right. So like I can handle two weeks <laughs> mm -hmm. and here we are, you know, three years later, um, experiencing what I call the fourth slowdown. And so at this point it's like, you know, it, it's probably all the stuff we're going to talk about, right? Like mm -hmm. how you cope with it and, you know, having a little bit of a backup and a buffer and like, what do you do, um, work-wise that might not be your, your, you know, listed profession, but it might be right. adjacent, you know? Well, how do you find yourself at this point in your career coping with this particular season? 
Um, I feel, I actually feel very relaxed with this one. Um, you know, mainly I think the, the, the thing here is that I have like things that I'm working on. Um, mm. you know, the salon's taking up a lot of time. This has given me a lot of opportunity to sit down and build. Um, I'm not trying to scramble bits and pieces between shooting days. Mm -hmm. So it's nice like to have the time to really dive deep, deep into things. You know, I think there, there's like the terms, uh, you know, bull market, bear market, and you know, in cer certain like trading circles, there's all these like mantras that float around. And one thing is like you, you build during the bear, right? And mm. that's when, you know, once, once things turn around again, people will be like, oh, where did that all come from? Right. Cause you'll right. be ready, you know, instead right. of sitting here for months and months and just not doing anything and freaking out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you find that, um, you experience a lot of self doubt during the slower seasons of work? I think basically anytime I'm not working, I start questioning if people want me to shoot things anymore. <laughs> what, what does that look like for you? Like what, a, what, uh, yeah. How do you experience that? Um, you know, it can manifest itself, uh, pretty vividly. I, I think, I think the pre COVID slowdown, the one I mentioned in like 2017, that was the worst one. Like I really lost pretty much all my self-esteem and I questioned every one of my skills. You know, I was just like, I thought mm -hmm. like maybe, maybe I had grown completely irrelevant and no one liked my style and no one liked the work I did. Maybe I like, no one liked the way that I interacted with them on set. Mm. I, you know, it, and it's like, I knew that wasn't true. Like I right. have plenty of people that I work with over and over again. They're, they've become some of my closest friends. Um, a lot of people that I met professionally, you know, I just got married six months ago and a lot of them came to my wedding, you know, a couple of mm. them were, were my groomsmen. So it's like, I know that's not true, but I'm still sitting there thinking it that <laughs> maybe, maybe none of these people like me, you know, and that's, that's not a wow. fun thing for anybody to, to go through. What's so crazy is like the power that an opportunity gives our sense of self-worth. And I, I say this from a place of, you know, just two days ago, it had been almost a month since my last shoot. And I was sitting there like thinking all was going to hell and like disaster <laughs> planning and thinking like, oh my God, do I need to go back to the city? Do I need to do this? Do I you know just thinking about a million things. And then multiple opportunities came through in one day. And then all of a sudden, my whole mentality and energy and everything shifted. I'm like feeling like a good husband, a good person. I've got energy <laughs> again. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing how, uh, yeah, how much weight we put on opportunities. For me, it's, it's, it's a lot related to self-worth for sure. I mean, I think that's, that brings up a really good point, right? Like, why do we feel this way? And yeah. you know, what, what drives that? And I think more so than most careers, we really derive our identity from our jobs. Mm -hmm. And so when mm -hmm. we're not doing our jobs, we feel like we don't have an identity and right. I think it can really mess with you. But like, I am not a cinematographer and that's all I am, you know, like right. I am David, I am a person, I have hopes and dreams and hobbies and, and things I like to do and, and friends and all that stuff. And cinematography is something that I'm very passionate about and it's mm -hmm. a job I really enjoy doing, but at the core of it, like that's not who I am mm -hmm. and getting over that hump to recognize that and say, okay, I'm, I am this person. I am not this job. I mean, I, I still, part of me still feels that, but right. it's something right. I've been working on for years. 
so that I don't feel like that every time the, you know, the work stops. When did you get over that identity hump? Let's call it. Um, I'd say it's probably, probably like since like maybe just before COVID, I would say, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think part of it, I was, maybe there's a few different places, but throughout my career, you know, I've, I've kind of gone up and down with, with the creative stuff, feeling like I'm, you know, creatively fulfilled and I'm doing stuff in a way that I feel is true to like my art or whatever, however you Mm want to say that. And, um, how would I put it? Like, I, I realized that I can't, you know, it's, it's a, a very frustrating thing in this, in this field where you can't like go out and just practice your craft, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I could get up in the morning and I could draw or I could paint, you know, I could, if I had a guitar or whatever, if I was into music, like I could get up and play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't like get up and shoot or at least not on the level that actually would feel like I'm practicing my craft. Hmm. Like I have a camera, I can go run around and do street photography, but that's, that doesn't feel like real, real practice to me. Like to me, it's, it's, um, for lack of a better term, I mean, it's painting with light. Mm-hmm. And for that, mm-hmm. you need, you need power, you need a set, you, you need, you know, you need a grip electric crew, you need a camera, mm-hmm. you need all this stuff. So before you even go out and start like being this identity, it's mm-hmm. like 10 grand if you were just to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't recommend doing if that 10 grand is your, you know, your buffer zone. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree with you in the sense that it's hard to practice at the scale in which we want to be working, you know, and if we're not practicing communicating with the crew and all the technical components, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's expensive. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So I think for me, it was, it was really just like finding other ways to, you know, to still be creative. Um, you know, I got into 3d, so I've been doing that a lot and, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, cause it feels like I can set up a scene and I can light it with, you know, lights bigger than I've ever used in my career and probably bigger than even exist, you know, so you can create these epic scenes and, and it just kind of keeps the creative juices flowing. Um, you know, getting into, you know, drawing or like whatever, um, mm-hmm. any sort of like artistic expression, focusing COVID, for example, I, I did a lot, a lot of cooking which, you know, wasn't great for my waistline, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that brings me a lot of joy. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, getting to, to do that was a lot of fun. I think it's just awesome in and of itself that you found ways to stay productive. Um, cause I know how paralyzing it can be when the work gets slow with like the self doubt can get crippling to a point at times for me, it's like, I mean, I'm pretty good at snapping out of it at this point, having gone through a lot of slow seasons and done a lot of like self-work I guess you could say but um it's definitely gotten to the point where it gets so crippling that I don't even have the energy to do anything to be productive at all you know just go into a full-on depression and just stay in bed for a week totally yeah oh I I've I've definitely been there you know you're you're in the same pair of pjs for a week and it's like 10 30 in the morning you're like yeah I guess I'll go down on you know 11 30 like who cares like nothing, right nothing matters <laughs> but productivity I remember I was working with a life coach this was I think it was like seven or eight years ago and I was in like a pretty big slump and you know she really encouraged me well for one to sign up for the gym because I'd never gone to the gym like or I rarely ever went in my 20s and she's like, just sign up for the gym 
and just walk to the gym. You don't even have to go in. Just walk to the gym and put your hand on the door. Maybe don't even do that. And then you can just walk home if you don't want to go in. But like those types of little steps for me in my own journey have been um, really just good at getting like the getting the juice flowing, I guess, Mm -hmm. just to stay productive and kind of snap out of these like darker seasons. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I, you know, so when, uh, when a lot of the COVID restrictions lifted, I'd say, what was this like end of, end of 21, it was kind of like, okay, we're kind of all going back to the city. We're going back to work, et cetera, et cetera. At this point I had gained probably like 35 pounds, um, since the start of COVID. And prior to that, I was, you know, I was going to, uh, a kickboxing gym. I was lifting like three times a week and, you know, in generally good shape. And it just like all went away when COVID hit. Mm. And I remember looking at a picture of myself, like at the, like right before new year's Eve of, uh, of 21 going into 22 and just seeing like, you know, just the red, like red bloat from, you know, a year and a half of COVID drinking and eating like sourdough bread and not working <laughs> out and just this scraggly beard and like looking at this picture of myself being like, ah, oh, this is, this is not who I am. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to make some changes, right? Like this mm-hmm. is, this is not good long-term. And so like what you're saying with the gym, you know, I signed up and for me, it was like, okay, go in, just put the clothes on. Right. And if I can put the clothes on, then I can get out the door. And if I can get out the door, I can get to the gym. And then if I'm at the gym, well, maybe I'll hit the bike for five minutes and warm up. Mm -hmm. And if I can hit the bike for five minutes, then I can hit the rower or something. Mm -hmm. And so I started realizing that, you know, there's a, I read this thing about a two minute rule. And Mm -hmm. so to build a bunch of different habits, I got a a habit tracking app Mm -hmm. and um, basically gave myself like a two minute rule for each habit. Right. So Um, like the gym, I'm not going to go to the gym for two minutes, but if I can get on the rower for five, 10, 15 minutes, that, that counts. Um, Mm -hmm. wanted to get into reading more. So if I can open a book and read for two minutes, um, you know, whatever, whatever kind of habits. Mm -hmm. And what I realize is that as soon as you get past those two minutes, you'll often be so in it that you'll just keep going. Mm -hmm. And I find myself reading for 20, 30, 40, you know, an hour and a half. Um, you know, and I've built the gym habit up quite a bit. And, and, you know, that's now rower and I'm doing like a whole powerlifting program and stuff like that. And it's, um, especially now when I have all this time, it's like the best thing. And the, the only thing I, I regret is, or I'm you not regret, but like I'm frustrated with is that I can't spend more time in the gym because my body just can't handle that much more. (laughs) (laughs) I relate to that a a lot from a working out standpoint, because I know for me, like when I get back from a shoot or some travel, whatever it is I'm doing, um, getting back in the routine of the gym is like really hard for me. And so I've found, uh, more recently, if I just go to the gym and do like 10 minutes on the elliptical, and even if that's all I do, I at least still feel some type of accomplishment as opposed to my whole routine. And then like slowly over the week, like build up to like an hour. Totally. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely staves off depression. Like I feel so much better afterwards and yeah. so much more productive. For um, sure. you know, it, it would just be nice to have more things to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, I think that like movement and exercising, whether it's just walking or the gym, that for me, like during slow seasons, like I think that's one of like the core fundamental ways to keep my brain alive, like keep myself alive. Cause without that movement, I, I can, 
I can go to pretty bad, like just pretty dark places. So totally. Do you, um, do you like go for walks? Like if you're, if you're trying to get stuff done and you're not feeling productive, do you like go for a walk to just like unstick yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's one of my go-tos. A lot of times recently I've been trying to do more phone calls while I'm walking, uh, instead of just sitting inside my house or on zoom, I'll just take it around my neighborhood. And that's been a good way to like mobilize. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really find that just even going for like 10 minutes, it just kind of like unclogs things and lets Mm -hmm. you get back into it. Would you say you're at the point now in your career where you feel that you can enjoy your downtime when work is slow? Um, I mean, I'd say, I'd say I'm better prepared for it. Um, I can't say it's all enjoyable. Yeah. Um, you know, like we can sit here and, and talk about habits and motivation and all that stuff. Like we've got it all figured out. I mean, I'm still very much figuring things out. You know, one thing that I struggle with a lot during excessive slow periods is, um, you know, I, one of my triggers is drinking from boredom. Right. So it's like, Mm. like clearly I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not at the gym all day. I'm not like a food influencer or whatever, but like, okay, sure. I can, I've got projects that I can work on myself. I've got artwork that I can do. I can read books, et cetera, et cetera. And it fills up X amount of time. And then suddenly you're like, okay, well it's in the afternoon, it's three, four 5 PM, whatever. And there's like nothing coming up. So, you know, I, I think for me, it's like always trying to brainstorm ideas to like fill that time. Mm-hmm. which is hard. I mean, you know, like jobs take up a lot of time. Suddenly you don't have that. And that's a lot of hours to fill. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. tonight, you know, I'm, I'm going to lift with a buddy and mm-hmm. that's going to take me from like five to 8 PM. I'm going to feel great. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to that part. Yeah, dude, my, my go-to thing is isolating or I put too many things on my to-do list that are like not even really that important. Cause I'll, I'll isolate. Cause I, I just feel like a failure basically. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. I'm like, Oh, I can't provide for my family. I can't provide for whatever, even though that's not even necessarily true. Ultimately it's, that's how I'm feeling. So it's like, uh, isolate or I'll just give myself a ton of things to do just so I feel like I'm doing something productive and then yeah, it, it, the list goes on and on, but, um, all these things we're talking about, like mobilizing, like these are the things that are, <laughs> these are the things that are helpful. For yeah, sure. for sure. Um, I, I really like going to see movies by myself. I'll, I'll say mm. And now that movie passes back, um, oh, you know, know that. Third, I'm, I'm on the train for the third time. Let's see how, how much we can milk them for before they go under again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I remember that was great a few years ago. Yeah. No, I went and saw, uh, what was I saw cocaine bear a few weeks ago and that was just a terrible waste of time. I don't recommend anybody see that, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go see John wick at some point. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it, part of that is also just like appreciation for the craft. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, uh, during COVID I got pretty apathetic about things and I just watched a lot of like reality cooking shows. And so now I'm like rediscovering my love for, um, for movies and storytelling and filmmaking and all that. So, you know, Mm -hmm. going by yourself for an afternoon, like that's, that's totally cool by my, you know, in my book. Yeah. 
I'm wondering like what would be your ideal way to deal with slow seasons? Like if you could anticipate, you know, like a three month slowdown or something coming in advance, like what would that look like for you? How would you spend your time? Yeah. Is that a valid question? Oh, totally. Um, I think it would be travel to be honest, Mm. you know, like I think we get stuck in saying, okay, well if there's no work, and work does come in, I have to be available for it. Yeah. But if I knew that I had three months with no work, then I'd be like, okay, well, let me go somewhere for three months, you know, or let me like plan something for three months Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, you know, filling it with activities, but nothing committed over a long enough period of time to, you know, not miss out on opportunities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just did, uh, I mean, I relate to that 150%. I'll just sit at home and think like, well, why should I spend money if I'm not making money? So <laughs> just make all these excuses to like not find ways to enjoy myself outside of the daily routine, I guess. Yeah. But uh, recently I told myself, you know what, I'm going to be proactive. And so I went to New York City for two weeks and just allowed myself to like, I think the trip altogether, because I had a friend that I stayed with ended up being um probably around like a thousand dollars for the two weeks and um it was great and i knew i knew like if a job popped up i would just travel out of new york and and go to wherever i needed to go but um in the past i would hesitate scheduling like a two-week trip you know for for networking i've never done a networking trip in my life and uh but it was it was really great, and I'm hopeful to keep doing it. Um, yeah, more, it was great to more. see you. <laughs> yeah, it was great to see you too. First time yeah. in like seven years or something. Yeah, yeah. But that that is, I think you hit something that uh, I'm sure a lot of people relate to. We'll dive into it when we open up the Q and A too. Just like planning things to enjoy your free time more than just like an afternoon even. And I wonder like what the resistance or the hesitation is. Is it strictly financial for most people or is it just because you feel like you don't deserve it or because you're scared to go away or probably a mix of like all those things, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I'd say it's probably mostly financial for most people. Yeah. Um, I think that's the the scariest part. And I know, uh, I know for a fact that a lot of people don't have, you know, rainy day funds built up. Right. Um, you know, I have a DP buddy and he's like, oh, I spend all of my money on on like golf in my car. And I'm just like, so what happens when you don't work for four months? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> so, right. So right. it's just like that's not I mean, that that honestly seems way more stressful than than cutting out like a couple of car payments and, and saving that up, you know. Right. Which this whole topic about money and um, like thoughts around saving uh just generally it's something that um i know i remember i used to get people calling me from my film school and you know when i was this was probably like my first five years in new york city just like asking for advice and i haven't thought about this in a long time but my number back then when i thought about it was like try and save up to seven months of overhead before you move to new york city i don't Mm -hmm. even know how i remember that where that came from but um, yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are around like trying to save um, or preparing financially for slow seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think people should do it. 
I think it would yeah. alleviate a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Um, anything from the the stress that it gives you to like the anxiety and the the you know the breakdowns. Um, also, for like a general kind of industry thing, if there is work and a lot of people are like very desperate, then it just feeds the whole race to the bottom thing. Mm. So it's also like a solidarity thing to be prepared for slowdowns. I would say. Yeah. Um, I think practically speaking, you know, having three to six months of expenses saved up and knowing how you can dial back your spending would be just like a great thing for people to just do as an exercise mm -hmm. and really think about that. Um, cause I will say like the first time I ever had that and I had to draw on it, um, I was so thankful that like, yep. you know, it's like, sure. I was a little anxious in general, but that's what it's there for yep. to bridge those gaps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt, uh, even just as I'm getting back into the industry again and having some money saved, I was, I was really hesitant to like going into it, but, um, I realized, like you said, that's what it's there for, you know? So, yeah. um, so yeah. But would you say generally from your awareness in your community and just conversations with others is three to six months? Is that like the the standard thing you hear because that's about what I hear too. Yeah. And I mean, it's whatever your comfort level is, right? Right. So, you know, I personally, I, I want to be up in that like six, six plus month thing just mm -hmm. in case, but that's just me being paranoid. Like I've never, I mean, aside of, from COVID, which is like a once in a generation or once in three generations kind of thing. Um, I've never experienced more than like three months of slowdown. So you know, for me, it's just like having extra, extra buffer. And, right. You know, that's just my own like risk tolerance and all that. What about, um, what is your like standard yearly slowdown look like, or do you experience like a standard yearly slowdown around winter seasons? Cause that seems to be a common thing for most filmmakers. Yeah. Um, I'd say Potentially between like Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, I think after Thanksgiving, you might get kind of like the last hurrah for the year. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say basically like December, January is pretty dead. And, and on a regular schedule, things start to like pick up again in like February or, you know, late February, early March. Um, I also find like middle of summer to be fairly dead too. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, like around July, which is great. Like take the time, go to the beach, see your family, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh yeah i mean i always think that like okay i know it's probably going to be slow in july it'll definitely be slow in december it'll absolutely be slow in january so let's let's plan for those months that's also where i plan vacations that sort of thing mm -hmm. you know like january is a great time to go um you know go somewhere tropical and like cut the cut the winter in half so you don't just get like one long you know shitty depressing season assuming you use instagram mm -hmm. do you how do you respond or deal with photos of people working and doing really cool stuff when you're sitting at home not working? <laughs> yeah. Like all the hashtag set life and like day three of whatever, like that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, you know, I actually fairly recently, I, I, I thought that some of like the depressive stuff, um, you know, lack of motivation and lack of focus was just coming from like the general slowness, mm -hmm. but I decided to experiment and I got an app. Let me see if, um, there's an easy way to show this. So I got an app 
and you can see here right that instagram and reddit are blanked out ah okay and so if i click on one of them it says is this important and then if I say, yes, it's important, it'll take five seconds to open the app and then it'll only let me browse for seven minutes. Hmm. And um, what I'm realizing is that without the the constant like notifications and like nagging from these apps, I've like my mental health and motivation has like gone through the roof over the last you know month and a half, um, which is really bizarre. But I just like feel like more at ease with everything and i don't mm -hmm. feel like you know i'm not feeling like the phantom vibrations in my pocket <laughs> and all that stuff but i realized like very quickly within the first day i realized how many times i was like mindlessly clicking on those apps and my finger would go to it and it says is this important i'm like no it's not important i'm just here mm. because <laughs> whatever yeah what's the app joe's uh, asking I, i'm curious too the app is called um Hold on, it's over here. It is called Screen Zen. Hmm, um, I like that. Yeah, and you can do things like, you know, you can add like different uh, apps into different groups. So different like levels of blocking for different types of apps. Um, it'll give you, you know, it'll give you like usage progress, which is kind of cool. And hmm. I mean, I've gone down to like less than half an hour of social media time per day, which Amazing. has just been a blessing. And um, the only the only exception is at the gym, I give myself free use. Mm. So so it kind of like stacks that as a reward, you know? So I'm like, okay, cool. Like I, I'm at the gym and I'm like doing this. It sounds like probably the one, like one of the best investments you could make for that app. And it's free. Oh, it's free? <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's it's funny because I I've been using this one called App Block, but I don't pay for it, so there's not all these like feature. You can't really truly lock it with mm. like you know some apps. You have to plug your phone in in order to unlock it, or you can set timers. Like you can't do that with the free trial version of App Block, so you can just unblock it. Oh yeah, like it through the <laughs> app. And it's crazy hearing you talk about how much this app has helped you with your mental health. And I'm here like you know, not wanting to spend $2 a month <laughs> you, <laughs> on something. I mean, yeah. those $2 would probably be worth it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, well, first thing I'm going to check out Screen Zen and because, uh, yeah, I believe that stuff can make a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you're going to see pictures of people on set and that's, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's just like how you how you deal with it and whether it's you just not letting it affect you or whether you do something like use a blocking app or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there, there, there are ways to deal with it. I think. Right. See, I find I'm not as impacted by the photos of people on set. I think I, it does impact me when I see like, you know, like you said, like day four of 20, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> must be great. Yeah. And then you're but, there on day four of 20 and you're just like, oh God, this director's a nightmare and yeah. the location is kicking us out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny how it goes, right? Yeah. I mean, even people that I've talked to that are like posting that stuff and, you know, I, I've, I've reposted a lot of old work. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Sundance this year. And so for the like three weeks before that I was posting old work every single day and I was doing like all these reels and stuff kind of in preparation if I was to like meet any directors or producers 
And I had people coming to me like, wow, you're so busy. Like you did this, you did that. I'm like, I'm not like, this is stuff that's been out for years. Like, mm. <laughs> so there, there is definitely like an image that people curate and mm -hmm. other people don't necessarily like, it's hard to, to see the, the negative parts or like the, the times when you're not working or like how it's affecting you and how it's affecting your relationships. If you're just putting out like the best version of yourself. Right. And I think that's right. just social media in general, like why it affects people so negatively because, mm -hmm. you know, they see people living these perfect lives um, and they compare it to their own and they know all those negative things that are happening in their own lives. Right. Right. You know, one of the other interesting things about slower seasons, or this could just be across the board is, um, well, maybe let's start with slow seasons where you get an opportunity for like a one day shoot. It's like a local shoot. Um, maybe there's no prep or whatever. Say it's one day thing, but they want to book you like three weeks to four weeks out. And you know that there's the opportunity that a longer travel job or a longer job is going to pop up with possibly someone that you've wanted to work with for a long time or whatever. You know, the thing that there's always like a better opportunity lurking out there in the distance. I know that's something that I've definitely struggled with in I guess feeling in like this slower season of work, it's like, do I commit to this thing or do I say no? And do I be more patient and just hope that something better is going to pop up? Uh, how do you deal with that type of situation? Yeah. I mean, you're right. This isn't just a slow season question. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think there's a few things, right? Like there's, there's uh, actually a buddy was asking me about it just the other day where do you take the the job that's a sure thing or do you keep holding out for the job that might book you? And there's no right answer. You know, I think you mm -hmm. kind of have to go with your gut, but I also think you have to remind yourself that no one job is going to make or break your career. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think as long as you can sleep at night knowing that like, okay, maybe I lost out on that job, but I still did this one. I still made money. I got to feed my family. I got to shoot something. Mm -hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera, knowing that, you know, maybe the other one is like, okay, sure. Maybe it's better. Maybe it paid a little better, but they weren't ready to book until the last minute or something. Right. 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 So it's, it sucks if you lose out on that, but if you lost them both, would that be yeah. a better position to be in? Right. And so sometimes you just take what you can get as opposed mm -hmm. to, um, you know, holding out, holding out hope because you don't, you don't know if it'll happen. For sure. For sure. Now, I guess I think I have maybe one or two more questions before we open it up to um, to the community at large here. Um, as far as your observations with uh, like your community, Cinematography Salon, how have you observed everyone there dealing with slower seasons of work? Well, I think that's the really amazing thing about that community is that yeah. people are able to be open about it. Mm -hmm. And so now we've seen numerous posts where people come in and be like, Hey, you know, like, I feel really weird posting this, but I've been like super slow. Uh, is anybody else slow? And that just kind of opens up the, you know, the opportunity for that kind of discussion. Mm -hmm. And so people start posting, Oh, I'm slow too. Like, okay, thank God it's not just me. You know, it's like, kind of goes back to the social media, like perfect life thing, Yeah, you know, where you're overthinking where you're at. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I know some people are, are working, but most of them are, 
you know, I'd say like at the very, very high end of things. Um, mm. I think a lot of that, like low, low to medium level work is, you know, not really around. I think the, the changing marketing landscape is messing up things and, mm. you know, a host of other reasons, but you know, it's, it's not just me. It's not just you. It's not just the, you know, the eight people that I'm looking at right now. It's, it's a large part of this industry is just dead right now. And mm -hmm. you know, it's none of our faults, you know, it's like, it's not that we suck. It's that there are forces greater than us at play here. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you started to talk about something that was, um, I think one of my last questions was like, what factors do you think are contributing to the current slowdown? Um, I think it's hard to say. Uh, I've heard everything from an oversaturation of content. You know, I've heard, uh, you know, a buddy of mine was saying that he was talking with some folks at Disney and they just have way too much content. So they're, they're cutting back on, you know, what they're doing. They might be paring down their whole streaming platform. I know Marvel just announced that they're going to slow down the pace of, of production because they're just coming out with too many Marvel movies. And hmm. I'm, very thankful for that, to be honest, because I'm just so marveled out. Um, you know, there's the impending writer strike, which doesn't affect people like me directly because I don't really shoot like TV or anything. Right. But indirectly, it will affect a lot of people because all those people working on TV um, are now also going to come into the same labor market that we're in. And mm -hmm. it'll just be more competition for less work. So, you know, so I think that's a thing, you know, impending recession fears, um, you know, and then probably not directly related to the slowdown now, but I do think this is coming sooner rather than later that AI is going to start um, eating content from the ground up. And so mm -hmm. I think the first people at risk are like the influencers and like the, you know, the low hanging fruit in terms of like technical ability and whatnot. Why don't I know you're really into AI right now, and um, <laughs> it's something I, I don't know, probably for better or worse, haven't really delved deep into. But when you say it's gonna, what'd you say? It's gonna start eating up all the work. I think it's gonna start eating content from the ground up, right? Like a lot of a lot of like the ads that you'd see on Instagram, like they're so you know, that that's what a lot of these companies are doing. They're going straight to web, they're doing vertical video, they're doing TikTok, they're doing this, they're doing that. These are things that are very, very easy to right. put together. Like if I have an iPhone and a product, I can go and shoot one of those ads right now. Mm -hmm. um, so to then have, you know, like your brand manager at whatever, like Coca-Cola, just type in like, imagine, uh, you know, a kid running through a field with a Coca-Cola and then like put the logo on the end and it generates it. Like, why would you then even hire a, a hire an uh, influencer to do this? Right. You know, so I think, I think we'll start seeing an erosion from the bottom. Um, but I do think that much in the same way that like digital cameras democratized, uh, creation, you know, con content creation, I hate calling it that, but, um, it democratized that even up into like higher levels of filmmaking. Um, it created a scenario where you, you had to stand out, right? So now people are going to have to stand out even more. And I think the people that are really creative are really technical, um, are able to create things that are unique and not easily spit out by AI. And the ones that can tell the best stories, I think, you know, have the best chance of going, you know, as far as possible. Yeah. I love that the emphasis on storytelling.
Yeah. So, um, it's what makes us uh, human, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what keeps life interesting. <laughs> so I think that's, that's it for my questions. Is there anything, uh, David, that you want to share that you think we missed in our discussion before we open it up? You're going to do the classic like and subscribe, hit the, <laughs> the notification. <laughs> I'll save that for next time. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I think I'm good. Um, unless you have any last minute um, requests. No, I think, uh, why don't we just open it up? I guess um, first I'll just prompt with a question to try and move things in like a productive space here. I'm wondering like how, if anyone's willing to share like, ways that they're able to stay positive uh during slow seasons of work um whether they're like mindset things or just like practical things um things that have really helped you um yeah just feel a little bit lighter on your feet when when work is super slow and we still don't have any music to make transitions so i'm gonna cut things off here for today if you're interested in tuning into the community conversation that unfolded after David and I's conversation, check us out at wearevariable.com. And thanks again to David Kruda for opening up and sharing how he survived slow seasons of work. If you're interested in checking out David's work, you can find it at David Kruda, that's D-A-V-I-D-K-R-U-T-A.com. Also, if you're a cinematographer and are currently seeking a support community, you can check out David's community at Cinematography Salon. And that pretty much wraps things up for now. So thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for episode nine next month. Take care.